want to turn you to Proverbs chapter 29, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. I'm reading from the, the New King James, but I will mention the authorized as well. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no revelation, where there is no vision, the people perish. And um, the word that's translated vision or revelation is a word that means divine instruction. And uh, to perish, to cast off restraint means, uh, the, the Hebrew word there means to, to make naked, to be exposed, uh, to be, uh, to be uh, put in a position which is shameful and, and which uh, leaves us uh, in, in a very vulnerable position. Now, these are in very important words. And what I want to really what I want to say to you just for a minute or two this afternoon is to talk about a vision of God, having a vision of God. Um, Proverbs describe something of the greatness of God in the Proverbs. And uh, here is a, a vision, a revelation proclaiming the word of God. And when that word of God is withdrawn, when that revelation, when that divine instruction is withdrawn, then the situation is hopeless. Restraint is passed off and evil triumphs and no one is safe. But when the word of God is heard and received and obeyed, then there is great happiness and great blessing. In other words, if men willfully reject and refuse the word of God, then that word will be withdrawn. And that's one of the most fearful judgments that can come upon any land or any nation. Of course, way back in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, um, at the beginning of the uh, description of Samuel, we read there was no widespread vision in the land. People had lost confidence in God. There was no word from God because of the disobedience and rebellion of the people. And we haven't time to look at it now, but Amos talks about this in Amos chapter 8, when he, where he speaks about the rejection of the word of God. And of course, that goes right back to the very early chapters of the Bible, where in Genesis 6, verse 3, before the flood, God says, my spirit shall not always strive with men. So there's a cutoff point when God says enough is enough. Well, we live in desperately wicked days today. We live in days, certainly in the UK, where I come from, where lawlessness abounds and it seems in large, large parts of our country, there is no vision. There is no word from God. And people seek here and there for answers, but they don't find any. And they don't know what to do. Well, when the word of God is preached, God himself speaks through that word. And I hope that we are men and women here on this call today who are men and women of vision, of revelation, having an insight into what God can do and what by God's grace he will do and have a confident expectation in the power of the living God. That's only known by his obedient people. May we be like John Wesley, who at 81 said, may this year be my best. Well, I'm not quite 81. I'm a little bit younger than that, but not much younger. Uh, and each day I pray that this will be my best, my next year will be my best. Well, I want to give you very briefly this afternoon, uh, sorry, this morning for you, but this afternoon for me, um, six things, don't worry, I'm not gonna be long on them. 
to help you think about this. And I hope these can be an inspiration for our prayers. Firstly, consider a vision of God himself. Our God is the great creator God. He built the earth. He spread the sky and fixed the starry lights on high. Uh, Isaac Watts says, uh, and his very words inspire something of the wonder of the glory of God in creation. God is everything. God is all. We need day by day a view of the God who is the great I am, the never changing, always present, ever glorious God who is real and living. And then secondly, we need a view of the holiness of God. Isaiah chapter 6, Revelation chapter 1, describe the effect of the holiness of God coming upon Isaiah and upon John on the Isle of Patmos. What does that do? Well, it does at least two things. Firstly, it keeps us in our place. It humbles us. And secondly, it keeps us from being superficial, from being flippant, from being irreverent. I'm so encouraged by this prayer time that so many of the prayers are serious. They are not superficial. They are not flippant. They're not irreverent. Sadly, I know some prayer meetings where uh, that is very much the attitude. Thank God that is not the attitude amongst us. May we be serious. May we be reverent. May we be holy as we have a vision of the holiness of God. Thirdly, a vision of the love of God. Salvation is free to those who call upon the name of the Lord. They need to hear the word of God preached. And when they do, they will know something of the love of God. What an amazing thing that is. God speaks to us. Again, if I might quote a hymn. But in the grace that rescued man, his brightest form of glory shines. Here on the cross is fairest drawn in precious blood and crimson lines. What amazing love God has shown to us. Fourthly, a vision of the power of God. We are so weak. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I certainly feel that. What can we do to bring men and women to faith? We can't even control our own passions and lusts. We sin daily. We, that should drive us into the arms of our all-powerful, all-glorious God. How can we ever hope to see the tide of evil in our world uh, 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 stemmed, turned back? Surely this will shake us into seeing that our only hope is in the power of God. When the tide goes out, ungodliness gets very daring. But the tide comes in again. My good friend Vernon Hyam, now in glory, uh, wrote a little book um, uh, some numbers of years ago entitled Turning the Tide. I want to use an illustration from that in a moment or two. But we live in days today when the tide is a long way out, certainly in, in, uh, in my country. And we need to cry to God to send the tide of his blessing in again, because only he has power to control the tide and bring it back in again. A vision of the power of God. Our God is the great God of power and glory. The great God who does wonders. Fifthly, a vision of ourselves. What we are before God. What we are before God is what we are. God is the God 
who knows us through and through. We can't deceive him. We may deceive ourselves. We may deceive others, but we cannot deceive him. He knows our hearts. And what are we? Well, we're weak. We're defeated. We're demoralized. But, but, we're the children of the king. Sons and daughters of the king of kings. Are you a child of the king? What a privilege. You are in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of riches and knowledge. What a wonderful thing that is. Do you know this? Are you glorying in what God has made you by his grace? What a wonderful incentive to grow in grace and holiness. I haven't time to quote that old hymn, uh, which says, My father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of his world in his hands. And he goes on to speak about the fact that we're children of the king, that he has saved us. We who are outcast strangers on earth. Some of you may know that hymn. If you do read it, it's a wonderful, wonderful description of what we are in Christ Jesus. Well, friends, what a great encouragement I trust this is. A vision of God, a vision of his holiness, of his power, of his love, uh, of of ourselves. But sixthly, a vision of the church. What the church is now and what it ought to be, but also what it will be one day. The church is the bride of Christ. Revelation 21 shows us that. Now the, the church is often despised and sad and discouraged and disheveled and disillusioned, much unlike a bride. But God is making us more beautiful for him. And the church's history is one of progression. There are peaks, there are troughs along the way. Sometimes the troughs may seem very deep. My dear friend Vernon Hyam describes it like this. And with this I close, the tide has gone out. The beach is covered with the filth and sin and corruption of a wicked world. The stench of unbelief is an abomination in our nostrils. What can be done? There may be the odd stream that runs across the beach, bringing some small cleansing relief, but it is only a trickle. Only the turn of the tide will sweep away the refuge of lies and bring in the cleansing power of grace. Only then will the bride be seen in all her beauty and purity. And there are times when the tide turns, when God comes down to meet his people. And we know something of the manifest presence of God. That cannot be worked up. It can't be produced by our own efforts. But we can pray to the Lord of revivals that the Lord God of glory will come and turn the tide in these days. Now, I know we have at least one Welshman on this uh, call who probably knows this story far better than I do, and maybe he should tell it. But in 1859, revival in Wales, all around Wales, there were great revivals, but there was no revival in Dolgethley. And a group of children met in the church to pray for their parents. And they'd never met in, together in this way, and they never prayed in public before. And they started asking one another, what should they do? Well, they knew the Lord's Prayer. So one after another, they repeated the Lord's Prayer. And the power of God came down. 
and they went out of the chapel and they found people were coming to the chapel, met, drawn by the power of God. And God came down and many, many people were converted. The manifest presence of God, heaven upon earth, glory. Well, friends, what a great encouragement and an incentive. God came down. Now, some Christians will rejoice when revival comes. Some will repent. Are you ready for God to come in revival power? Lord, come again. Revive your work. In wrath, remember mercy. Spare us now from evil and sin. Separate us to you in holiness and godliness. Turn the tide back again. Sweep away the refuge of lies and corruption. Sanctify your church. Glorify your name. Deal with us. Make us men and women of vision and faith and confidence in your power and glory. For Jesus' sake. Amen.